Welcome to October. This is the Annex Wealth Management SWAT Podcast, Episode 19, Monday, October 3rd. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats as seen with insight and perspective from members of the Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee. Trevor Nargis, a trader and research analyst on the pod this morning. Hello. Hey, good morning. And Blaine Disrude, a CFA, trader, research analyst. Welcome to you. Morning, Danny. So we're officially in Q4 now. To say that it's been an interesting start to the year is quite an understatement, given how asset classes have moved across the board. But let's jump into it here, right? We got quite the week this week. Even last week was was pretty interesting. But let's dive into strengths, Blaine, and I'll let you take it away. Yeah, and I know we've hit on this before, but bond yields are quite attractive uh, in comparison to where they've been in the past. There is still some thought that rates might go higher from here, given the fact that the Fed is hiking. We have seen inflation be more stubborn than uh, the Fed had initially anticipated. However, 10-year yields currently around 3.8%. For comparison, we started the year at 1.5%, so quite a large increase there. And then if you tack on, let's say, any sort of additional yield for spreads on investment grade credit, another 2% for that. And then getting all the way out to high yield space, you're getting another 5% plus on top of that, that three, three and a half percent rate. Well, and that inflation pinch is felt a little more nowadays, especially with core inflation, you know, non-core inflation, pick whatever metric you want. But at its base level, inflation is quite high. So earning nothing on that cash hurts even more, right? That purchasing power is being eroded away. Now, cash has performed quite well this year relative to stocks and bonds. Now, there's a slew of other factors that impact that. But like you're saying, quite easy to kind of make that move and get some extra yield on your cash. Speaking of yield, what are you seeing in the high yield space? Yeah, it's held up really well. We have seen spreads widen a bit, but spreads on high yield right now are at 550 basis points. Typically, when you go into a recessionary period, those will spread to 800 basis points or more, uh, which is equivalent to 8% on top of what treasuries are yielding. So the fact that we haven't seen that yet is interesting. It needs to be monitored, and it's a space where it's not necessarily something that I would want to look at adding to at the moment, but something that's definitely performed well year to date. And those spreads are starting to move in the right direction. I was looking at something this morning on kind of the historical Z-score of kind of those lower quality bonds. And those are starting to kind of move in the right direction, like you're saying, where it might get attractive, but not quite yet. I think as far as what we're watching, I kind of want to pivot into earnings here somewhat. And, you know, analysts have started to make cuts to their EPS targets for Q3. The cut you're seeing is about a little north of 6%. But despite those cuts, the expected change in earnings is still positive with a growth rate of a little north of 2.5% year over year. So the market's still fairly optimistic on earnings. I think that that can be a strength in and of itself, given how companies have been able to navigate the current environment. You know, we talked a few weeks ago that despite tough conditions, companies have done a great job of navigating their way through the storm. What we mean by that is that in recessions, we typically see earnings per share declines of about 20%. But in periods where we have both a combination of a recession, but we also have high inflation, we actually see earnings fare a little better, falling about 11%. So call that 9% better than what you typically see in non-inflationary periods. 
Now, I think one thing that that can be attributed to is that earnings are still growing on a nominal basis. Companies are able to pass through some of those costs. We've talked about that, right? Inflation has been a little higher, but companies have been able to kind of weather that storm by passing those price increases onto the consumer. And as a result, we've seen earnings kind of hold up somewhat compared to what we've seen in the past. Overall, despite the negative revisions, the street forecast for next year is still roughly 8% growth, and that would be above trend. And we can get into this later. I think that has to be taken with a grain of salt because that could potentially be a threat that estimates will need to come down. But for the most part, I would say that earnings have still been a strength up until now. They have been, and I think this segues right into weaknesses. The dollar strength is definitely going to be a headwind for those earnings going forward. The fact that the dollar's up, as far as the index is concerned, 15% year-to-date, is going to eat away at the multinationals' earnings going forward. Bank of America has usually used the rule of thumb that for a 10% increase in the dollar, you get a 3% decline in earnings. Uh, Morgan Stanley's a bit more bearish on that, and they say more or less you're looking at an 8% decline in earnings this year given how strong the dollar has been. So that needs to be looked at. Earnings have held up well, but this recent rally in the dollar could significantly be a headwind. Yeah, and to kind of work things back and just look at it from a high level, you know, ultimately when the dollar becomes so strong compared to these other international currencies, it makes our goods more expensive to the international consumer, right? They have to spend more of their money to acquire dollars in order to purchase goods that are denominated in dollars. And when they're already feeling inflationary pressures from a wide array of other things, um, it just makes things that much more difficult. And Blaine, like you alluded to, as far as the impact that that could have on earnings, last year, S&P 500 companies generated roughly 30% of their revenues from outside the U.S. So there could be some meaningful downside in the future. Now, obviously, something to watch. But, you know, the dollar strength isn't all bad. We can touch on this a little bit later. Dollar strength has been good as far as easing inflationary pressures, right? Because what the Fed has been trying to do is slow the economy in general, kind of help cool things off. And a stronger dollar makes things more expensive, which should in turn help kind of curb consumer activity and help kind of wind that down a little bit. So while it might be a headwind to earnings, the ultimate thing that the Fed is trying to curb would be inflation, right? So if the stronger dollar does kind of help nip that in the bud a little bit, I'd say long term, that's going to be somewhat of a strength here. So not all bad. Yeah, it's good for the U.S. economy. It's a potential hazard for U.S. corporations that have revenue or businesses outside the U.S. Right. And ultimately, I think going back into just looking at earnings in general, I would think that the need for downward revisions to earnings going forward would suggest lower levels on, you know, the broad market indices. But obviously, you know, there's there's a slew of other things and we'll get into this and opportunities that could lead to some upside here in the near term. I think another weakness that I just wanted to point out would be kind of the personal savings rate. I think that's a commentary on just what inflation has been doing to the consumer. We didn't really see that move from its August levels at all, but that August level still came in quite low relative to what the savings rate has been. Again, that's just a nod to the pinch that consumers feeling from inflation. Let's dig into opportunities here. The valuations 
but small caps, emerging markets, from a valuation standpoint, are still looking relatively attractive compared to large caps. We've done some analysis on that and looked at how that has played out. Generally speaking, when those valuation spreads of small caps to large caps have widened to the degree that they are longer term, that's a a good spot for small caps going forward. Also, a lot of pessimism has been factored into the markets here. We've seen probably not quite peak bearishness, but there's definitely been low sentiment in the markets here over the last few weeks. September was a very bad month uh, as far as S&P 500 returns are concerned, and there's potential for a bit of a relief rally uh, going into the year end, given the fact that we have an election year and midterm elections usually uh, are a positive thing for the markets going through fourth quarter. Just to piggyback on that, is that when you tend to see September be as weak as it was, now there aren't many instances of September uh, seeing a decline of more than 7%. But typically, when you do see that, October tends to be a lot stronger going into the end of the year. You tend to see equities be a lot stronger. And one thing that we've been watching is kind of how equities tend to play out in midterm election years. And October tends to be a month where you do see some upside there. So something to watch. Now, obviously, that historical data is going to be an average or median of what's happened. Obviously, there are multiple data points that are needed in order to make up those figures. So this time could be different. Uh, it could somewhat follow the trend, but definitely something that we're monitoring. I think given the overall negative sentiment and bearish positioning could be somewhat of a catalyst for a little bit of a re- relief rally here. I think for longer term investors, when you tend to see sentiment and positioning this negative you know, you combine that with something like the fear and greed index, with that being an extreme fear territory over the long term, typically not a bad time to put some cash to work. And again, I, I really want to stress, you know, the importance of a long term mindset there. So it's definitely something to note there from an opportunity standpoint. I think we can kind of pivot into threats here, Blaine. Big threat, the Fed's hawkishness. They obviously have not let off the pedal as far as getting Rates hiked and the fact that quantitative tightening is increased here over the last month um, and now we are having $95 billion roll off the balance sheet. We are starting to see markets outside the U.S. see some some fractures. Uh, We saw that with Great Britain last week making a, some would say, quote-unquote, policy error on the fiscal side uh, by trying to cut taxes while their central bank is trying to tighten same with Japan trying to intervene. Didn't work out, but there are stresses that are starting to show up outside the U.S., given what the U.S. is doing. That's one concern that's kind of being expressed across the board is, you know, given the multiple standard deviation moves in commodities, currencies, um, other bonds across the board, the concern there is that the, the Fed is starting to break something, uh, just given how much the global economy is kind of tied to ultimately U.S. policy decisions. So definitely why a lot of eyes are on the Fed. I think going back to the international side of things is, you know, potential threat is going to be a harsher than expected winter in the EU, both from, I'd say, a temperature standpoint, given the demand for energy and kind of what energy has been like over there, as many people know, right? Cost of energy in somewhere like Germany, for example, you have a 150% increase uh, year over year. So consumers are definitely feeling that. 
some governments have had to intervene to try and help soften the blow that consumers are feeling. I would say on the energy note, one thing that should be paid attention to this week is that we have the first non-virtual OPEC meeting uh, since the start of the pandemic. Uh, There's a lot of chatter that they're considering a cut to production of more than a million barrels per day. That'd be the biggest cut to production since the onset of the pandemic. And that could kind of reverberate throughout the global economy. That could put somewhat of a floor under oil prices and kind of contribute to the inflationary pressures that consumers have been feeling. Um, So something to note there. Obviously, as we touched on, the whole energy debacle has really hit Europe quite hard. So that could exacerbate things a little bit further. Annex Wealth Management's SWAT podcast, episode 19, our headline strength. Yields on bonds and the bond market in general as far as looking attractive. Headline weakness. That would be the dollar strength as it pertains to earnings and having a adverse impact on those earnings. A headline opportunity. Valuations within the small cap space and the fact that we are in a midterm election year in October tends to be a relatively strong month going into the end of the year, given a midterm. And our headline threat. The Fed's overall hawkish stance, their desire to help curb inflation. As a result, the potential for a policy error uh, and how that could impact markets. Blaine Disroot is a CFA and Trader Research Analyst. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. Trevor Nargis, Trader Research Analyst. Thanks to you. Thanks, guys. Annex Wealth Management, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect on those of Annex Wealth Management, LLC. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice or a recommendation or a solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risk. Neither Annex Wealth Management LLC nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.